Uh, let's turn our attention now to Psalm 35. Psalm 35. We're going to begin uh, by reading Psalm 35, and uh, this is a, a little bit of a longer psalm. We, um, if, you're, if you're able to stand, would love for you to stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word, but if uh, it would be a distraction to you, you are welcome to sit and honor the Word from your seat. But if you're able and willing, would you stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word, Psalm 35. The Holy Spirit says of David, Contend, O Lord, with those who contend with me. Fight against those who fight against me. Take hold of shield and buckler and rise for my help. Draw the spear and javelin against my pursuers. Say to my soul, I am your salvation. Let them be put to shame and dishonor who seek after my life. Let them be turned back and disappointed who divides evil against me. Let them be like chaff before the wind, with the angel of the Lord driving them away. Let their way be dark and slippery, with the angel of the Lord pursuing them. For without cause they hid their net for me. Without cause they dug a pit for my life. Let destruction come upon him when he does not know it. And let the net that he hid ensnare him. Let him fall into it to his destruction. Then my soul will rejoice in the Lord, exulting in his salvation. All my bones shall say, O Lord, who is like you, delivering the poor from him who is too strong for him, the poor and needy from him who robs him. Malicious witnesses rise up. They ask me of things that I do not know. They repay me evil for good. My soul is bereft. But I, when they were sick, I wore sackcloth. I afflicted myself with fasting. I prayed with head bowed on my chest. I went about as though I grieved for my friend or my brother as one who laments his mother. I bowed down in mourning. But at my stumbling, they rejoiced and gathered. They gathered together against me. Wretches whom I did not know tore at me without ceasing. Like profane mockers at a feast, they gnash at me with their teeth. How long, O Lord, will you look on? Rescue me. From their destruction, my precious life from the lions, I will thank you in the great congregation. In the mighty throng, I will praise you. Let not those who rejoice over me who are wrongfully my foes, and let not those wink the eye who hate me without cause. For they do not speak peace, but against those who are quiet in the land, they devise words of deceit. They open wide their mouths against me. They say, aha, aha, our eyes have seen it. You have seen, O Lord, be not silent. O Lord, be not far from me. Awake and rouse yourself for my vindication, for my cause, my God and my Lord. Vindicate me, O Lord, my God, according to your righteousness. And let them not rejoice over me. Let them not say in their hearts, Aha, our hearts desire. Let them not say, We have swallowed him up. Let them be put to shame and disappointed altogether who rejoice at my calamity. Let them be clothed with shame and dishonor who magnify themselves against me. Let those who delight in my righteousness shout for joy and be glad and say evermore, Great is the Lord who delights in the welfare of his servant. Then my tongue shall tell of your righteousness and of your praise all the day long. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. You may be seated.
if you don't want people to hate you, don't become a Christian. Should I say that again? If you don't want people to hate you, don't become a Christian. To choose to become a Christian is to look at a world in rebellion to its creator and say, I'm siding with the creator. It is to choose to bring upon yourself the hatred of all those who oppose the Lord Jesus whom you are choosing to follow. In David's day, those who sided with David were delighting in a king who had his share of enemies, as we've seen in First and Second Samuel the last couple semesters. And David's hope in Psalm 35 was that even though he was hated, one day he would get to rejoice with those who delighted in him because God would deliver him from his enemies. And by giving this Psalm 35, by giving this Psalm to his people, David was giving them words to sing that would help them delight in their hated King David and long to be delivered with him. Well, as followers of the son of David, King Jesus, this psalm also gives us words to sing to help us delight in our king as well. Just like David was hated, so Jesus was hated. And like David's people, we are invited to delight in our king even as he is hated by his enemies and we are hated along with him. Jesus said in John 15, verses 18 and 19, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. And in that context of John 15, he goes on a few verses later, and he actually quotes a verse from Psalm 35. He says, whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. And here's the quote from Psalm 35. They hated me without a cause. Jesus told his disciples that Psalm 35 was being fulfilled in his life at that moment, right before he goes to the cross. And Jesus' words in John 15 give us an important framework for how we ought to apply Psalm 35 in our day. We follow a Lord who is hated in the same way David was hated in Psalm 35. A Lord who is hated without a cause, just like David was hated without a cause. And our hated Lord Jesus tells us that because of that, we can expect to be hated just as he is hated. But Psalm 35 gives us hope. It gives us a song to sing as we are hated. It gives us a 
focus and uh, a purpose and uh, something to unite our hearts around in the hatred that we withstand. And here's the main thing that I want us to hear from Psalm 35 today. We can withstand a hateful world by delighting in the hated Lord. We can withstand a hateful world by delighting in the hated Lord. So what does it look like to do that? What does it look like to delight in the hated Lord? Well, we're going to see three aspects of what it means to delight in the hated Lord in Psalm 35. And the first is this, leave vengeance to the Lord. Leave vengeance to the Lord. In Psalm 35, the very first thing that David does, the very first words out of his mouth, across his pen, in the words of the people of God as they sing this song, the very first words are a prayer for Yahweh to fight his enemies for him. Look at verses 1 through 3 again. Contend, O Lord, with those who contend with me. Fight against those who fight against me. Take hold of shield and buckler and rise for my help. Draw the spear and javelin against my pursuers. Say to my soul, I am your salvation. David does not tell Yahweh, all right, I'm going to go make this right. I'm going to go fight this battle. I'm going to go handle this. No, David asks Yahweh to take up arms and fight his battle for him. He entrusts the fight to Yahweh. And this is the posture our hearts must take as well as those who are hated along with our hated Lord. When we are responding to those who oppose us for following Christ, we need to say to God with David, tell me, remind me, say to my soul that you are my salvation. Remind me that you're the God who fights for me. Remind me that the battle is the Lord's. David goes on with this prayer describing the outcome he desires in verses 4 through 8. Let them be put to shame and dishonor who seek after my life. Let them be turned back and disappointed who devise evil against me. Let them be like chaff before the wind with the angel of the Lord driving them away. Let their way be dark and slippery with the angel of the Lord pursuing them. For without cause they hid their net for me. Without cause they dug a pit for my life. Let destruction come upon him when he does not know it and let the net that he hid ensnare him. Let him fall into it to his destruction. So David prays and he asks that his enemy's schemes would fail. And in this, he is entirely dependent upon Yahweh's actions. He's asking God to take action. He asks Yahweh to drive them away. Uh, he asked him even to send the angel of the Lord. You, you might remember we saw the angel of the Lord in Psalm 34 last week. And we saw how the author of Hebrews describes angels as ministering spirits uh, there to serve the people of God, those who inherit salvation. And here David again asks that the Lord would take action and send his minister, the angel of the Lord, to run the enemies off. We, we see here a, a bit of what the enemies did, uh, what it was that they were trying to do to David, and it's that they were trying to trap the king. They were trying to entrap him. And so David asks that their plan to trap him would backfire. He asked that 
the enemies would be destroyed by the very same snare that they laid for David. And what will David do if Yahweh defeats his enemies? He says in verses 9 and 10, Then my soul will rejoice in the Lord, exulting in His salvation. All my bones shall say, O Lord, who is like you, delivering the poor from him who is too strong for him, the poor and needy from him who robs him. David says, God, if you save me in the way that I'm asking, I will rejoice and boast in your salvation. He says, my every bone will declare your praise. And the song that he will sing is that there is no one like Yahweh. Because Yahweh is the one who delivers the poor and helpless from enemies that that poor, helpless person could never have defeated on his own. That is the God that we pray to. That is the God that we can trust with justice and vengeance. We can withstand a hateful world by delighting in the hated Lord. And part of delighting in the hated Lord is leaving vengeance to him. We see this in David's life. When David had the opportunity to kill Saul and Abishai said, God has given your enemy into your hand. Let me kill him for you. David says in 1 Samuel 26.10, As the Lord lives, the Lord will strike him. Or his day will come to die, or he will go down into battle and perish. He left vengeance to the Lord. David's son Solomon says in Proverbs 20, verse 22, Do not say, I will repay evil. Wait for the Lord, and he will deliver you. Paul said in Romans 12, 19, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. The teaching of Scripture is clear. We should wait for God to work vengeance. We should not take matters into our own hands. That doesn't mean it's easy. But we can be certain that Jesus will work justice for us. So what does it look like practically? practically to leave vengeance to the Lord. Well, first, it means in your heart, placing trust in God alone for justice. Before any words, before any actions, before anything external, it starts with a posture of the heart that trusts in God alone and that rests your hope in God for justice and vengeance. Before anything else, our hearts must depend on God alone. That does not mean that we trust him to do what we want or trust him as long as he works justice in a way that we like it means that we not only trust him for a just outcome we also trust his plan and how he wants to carry that out place your trust in god alone for justice now sometimes Leaving vengeance to the Lord means relying on human government. Now, that might seem kind of out of the blue or maybe counterintuitive to you. I mean, am I really trusting God if I take someone to court? Well, there are certainly many wrong ways to do that. 
And that's why we must first trust God alone in our hearts. Uh, But God has instituted human government. Paul even describes a governing official in Romans 13, 4 this way. He is the servant of God, and catch this, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. This is God's ideal for human government as he established it. Sometimes leaving vengeance to the Lord means humbly depending on God's servant, the human government, to be his avenger and carry out his wrath. But oftentimes, this means patiently enduring evil for the glory of God. Paul says in 2 Timothy 2, 24 and 26, And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. We are not guaranteed justice in this life. We're not guaranteed justice through human government. In fact, Jesus promised that we would be hated, as we've already read. Jesus promised that we would experience trouble and evil in this world. But we can withstand a hateful world. We can endure evil by delighting in our hated Lord, who will avenge us in His perfect timing. Leave vengeance to the Lord. That's one way we can delight in our hated Lord. A second way that we can delight in our hated Lord is love those who hate you. Love those who hate you. So David goes on in Psalm 35 to further describe what his enemies were doing. Uh, Look at verses 11 and 12. Malicious witnesses rise up. They ask me of things that I do not know. They repay me evil for good. My soul is bereft. So there's people spreading lies about the king, bearing false witness. Uh, The the picture here is that they're they're interrogating him, accusing him of crimes, and he doesn't know what they're talking about. False witnesses. And isn't that a clear picture of how David points to Christ, who, when he was on trial, uh, experienced the false accusations of witnesses who were spreading lies about Jesus in order to incriminate him and get him to be crucified. Uh, But David is discouraged here. He says, my soul is bereft, especially because these people are acting evil against him even after he had done good to them. A big part of what makes the hatred that David is enduring in Psalm 35 so painful is that he's being hated by people that he showed love to. And likewise, as those who follow the hated Lord Jesus we will be called to love people who will repay us evil for that love and who will repay us evil for that good. Well, so what good did David do for the people who are now hating him? Verses 13 and 14. But I, when they were sick, I wore sackcloth. I afflicted myself with fasting. I prayed with head bowed on my chest. I went about as though I grieved for my friend or my brother. As one who laments his mother, I bowed down in mourning. Uh, David wept when these people wept. 
He prayed for them. He prayed for them fervently like you would pray for your dying relative. But that is not how they treated David in return. Verses 15 and 16. But at my stumbling, they rejoiced and gathered. They gathered together against me. Wretches whom I did not know tore at me without ceasing like profane mockers at a feast. They gnash at me with their teeth. Uh, So these opponents, these enemies of David, got together to celebrate David's suffering. They attacked him. They mocked him. They gnashed their teeth at him. Again, how clearly does David's experience point to what his son Jesus would ultimately experience? So David prays in verse 17, How long, O Lord, will you look on? Rescue me from their destruction, my precious life from the lions. He asks, Lord, when are you going to intervene? He asks the Lord to rescue him from these people to whom he showed kindness, who now want to destroy him. And then, like he did before in verses 9 and 10, here at the end of this section as well, in verse 18, he promises what he'll do if God saves him from his enemies. He says, I will thank you in the great congregation, in the mighty throng, I will praise you. He says he will praise God for his salvation in gathered worship. We've seen before in Psalms like Psalm 32 and Psalm 34 how God delivered David and then David called on the people of God to celebrate with thanks and praise. So Psalm 35 here is David's prayer that God would deliver him so he could have a Psalm 34 type experience of celebrating deliverance from his Psalm 35 suffering. We can withstand a hateful world by delighting in the hated Lord. And part of delighting in the hated Lord is loving those who hate you. Again, what we see here is that part of the pain of David's suffering was that he was hated by people that he showed love to. And like David, Jesus was betrayed and mocked and hated by people that he came to love. John says in John 1, 10 and 11, He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. At the cross, we see two realities. We see the extent of the hatred of Jesus' enemies, but we also see the extent of of the love of Jesus for his enemies. And the same love that Jesus showed his enemies at the cross is the love he has called us to show to those who hate us because of him. The same love that Jesus showed his enemies at the cross is the love he has called us to show to those who hate us because of him. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 43 and 44, You've heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Like David prayed for his persecutors. Like Jesus prayed for his persecutors. Like Stephen prayed for his persecutors. 
Earlier we read Paul say in Romans 12, 19, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. And in the very next verse, Paul, quoting Solomon from Proverbs 25, says this, to the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. How would you like to cook a meal for someone who hates you? Parents of teenagers are snickering for some reason, but anyway, just kidding. Paul says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. The more we are hated by the world, the more we're going to want to withdraw from the world. It's just natural. The more we're hated, the more we're going to want to withdraw. The more that it, we, we face opposition, the more it's uphill climb, the more we face resistance, we're going to want to detract. We're, wanna, we're going to want to just uh, hunker down and keep safe. We're going to want to withdraw from the world. But we must not abandon our mission to love the world when the world hates us. Just like the world hates us because it hates Jesus, so we must love the world even when it hurts as Jesus loved the world even to the point of death. Don't stop loving the world when they repay you hatred for love. Love those who hate you. Finally, look to God's people for joy. As we seek to delight in our hated Lord, we want to look to God's people for joy. Joy and rejoicing becomes a theme in these closing verses. Even as David returns to what his enemies are doing in verses 19 through 21. Let not those rejoice over me who are wrongfully my foes. And let not those wink the eye who Hate me without cause. There's that verse that Jesus quoted. For they do not speak peace, but against those who are quiet in the land, they devise words of deceit. They open wide their mouths against me. They say, aha, aha, our eyes have seen it. So David asks again that his enemies would not succeed. These people hated the king without cause. David has been nothing but good to them. They should not hate him, but they spread lies. They stir up division within the people of God. They make false accusations against David. And so David again asks Yahweh to intervene in verses 22 through 24. He says, you have seen, O Lord, be not silent. In contrast to the way that the enemies say, our eyes have seen it, speaking of these false uh, accusations, these malicious lies that they are speaking, claiming to see something that wasn't true. David says in verse 22, you have seen, you have seen the reality, O Lord. Be not silent, O Lord, be not far from me. Verse 23, awake and rouse yourself for my vindication, for my cause, my God and my Lord. Vindicate me, O Lord, my God according to your righteousness, and let them not rejoice over me. David asks Yahweh to respond, to step in, to help, uh, to, to see the truth, to see with righteous eyes and respond with justice. He asks God to vindicate him, to show that David is being treated unjustly by these enemies. 
he again describes the outcome he wants to see in verses 25 and 26. He says, let them not say in their hearts, aha, our heart's desire. Let them not say we have swallowed him up. Let them be put to shame and disappointed altogether who rejoice at my calamity. Let them be clothed with shame and dishonor who magnify themselves against me. He asked that his enemies would fail. He wants those who are trying to shame him to be clothed with shame and dishonor themselves. That's the outcome he wants for his enemies. But he wants a different outcome for his people. Look at verse 27. Let those who delight in my righteousness shout for joy and be glad and say evermore, great is the Lord who delights in the welfare of his servant. So there are those who side with David. Those, there are those who recognize that David is in the right. They recognize that he is being treated unjustly. They're delighting in him. They're delighting in his righteousness. And David says he wants them to be able to celebrate with him God's deliverance. He wants them to be able to celebrate Yahweh saving him. He, he wants these people who know that he's in the right to praise Yahweh's greatness. And indeed, the people of God ought to rejoice that Yahweh delights in preserving his anointed king. God is the one who delights in the welfare of his servant, the Christ, the anointed one. And because the Lord delights in the welfare of his servant, because the Lord delights in the welfare of the Christ, all who delight in the Christ share in his deliverance and share in the favor of Yahweh. David concludes this psalm by once again promising how he will respond if Yahweh saves him in verse 28. Then my tongue shall tell of your righteousness and of your praise all the day long. If Yahweh exercises his justice to vindicate David and demonstrate that David is in the right, David is going to testify to Yahweh's righteousness, testify to Yahweh's justice. He will praise him all day. We can withstand a hateful world by delighting in the hated Lord. And part of delighting in the hated Lord is looking to his people for joy. If we are going to make it in a world that hates us, we need each other. We need each other. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, 26, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. You might remember in Acts 4, uh, from when we were walking through Acts a couple years ago, Peter and John were arrested for preaching the gospel. And when they were released from their arrest, where did they go? They went to their church. They gathered together with their brothers and sisters in Christ. They shared what happened at their trial. And the church gathered together and prayed together. They prayed to the sovereign Lord Listen to the end of their prayer that Luke records in Acts 4, 23 to 31. Or excuse me, 29 to 31. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue 
to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. As members of this church were hated by enemies of Jesus, this church got together to rejoice in the Lord. They got together to pray to the Lord. They got together to ask for boldness, that God would, the God that they rejoice in would give them the boldness to remain, to continue uh, to be faithful to Jesus, uh, to continue to show love to the world that hates them by spreading the gospel. David endured suffering as he kept his eye on getting to rejoice with those who delighted in his righteousness. The early church endured suffering as they continued to gather together and delight in their Lord Jesus together. And likewise, if we are to withstand a hateful world and endure in loving a hateful world, we must look to the Lord's people for joy. Well, how do we practically look uh, look to God's people for joy? First, take advantage of gathered worship. Take advantage of gathered worship. If you are going to withstand a hateful world, you need to gather with your church. You need to hear your brothers and sisters declare the truth. You need to hear your brothers and sisters sing the truth of the gospel to your soul. You need to hear a brother or sister encourage you with the word of God. Take advantage of gathered worship. Second, don't try to withstand the hate of the world on your own. Don't keep it to yourself. Tell your brothers and sisters what you're going through. They need the opportunity to bear your burden with you. They need to know how to pray for you. So make your needs known and and love the world together. It may be that you're being hated by the world and, and you, you share about this experience, but you still on, on the front lines, you're, you're feeling alone. Maybe you're, you're trying to, to serve someone who hates you, but you're afraid to do it alone. Well, don't think that you have to do it alone. We, we are together in our mission to love a world that hates us. So uh, do this together. Bring a brother or sister with you so you can serve the Lord and love the world together. Look to God's people for joy. We can withstand a hateful world by delighting in the hated Lord. Leave vengeance to the Lord, love those who hate you, and look to God's people for joy. We want to trust in the Lord who was hated himself and follow his example as we are hated for his sake. As we transition now to the table uh, to celebrate the Lord's Supper, we're, we're reminded of what Jesus did for us at the cross. We're, we're going to eat bread that symbolizes his body broken for us. We're going to 
Drink a cup that symbolizes the blood of Jesus shed for us. And, and as we come to the table, as we come to the Lord's Supper, we, we come to the greatest reminder of how Jesus embodied what we've seen in Psalm 35 at the cross. At the cross, God avenged himself by pouring out his wrath on his son. At the cross, God loved those who hated him. At the cross, God purchased deliverance for all those who rejoice in Jesus. This is indeed an important reminder for us of both the way that our Lord was hated and the way that he loved those who hated him.